Hi guys, welcome and welcome back to the podcast. I've been meaning to watch that. I'm your host, Monica, and I am joined once again with our co-host, Glenn. Say hi, Glenn. Hi guys, how are we doing? Guys, we're back on another podcast, and today we're going to be talking about the show Archive 81. It is a brand new show on Netflix. It's based off a podcast of the same name. Before we get into that, we're going to talk about Can't Wait to Watch, which are the things that we can't wait to watch this week that are coming out or soon to be coming out. And I want to say I finally watched something that I can't wait to watch because I went back and I re-listened to some old episodes and I was like... There are a lot of things I want to watch. But you and just I never, never did. I just never started it. But I did it. I did it. I watched Midnight Mass after watching Archive 81. Okay. Because I was like, I'm in a horror mood. You know, I'm here to get scared a little bit. And Archive 81, it just shaked me a little bit. But Midnight Mass, it wasn't that... It was scary. But it was like... It was like a different kind of scary. I don't know. I thought that Midnight Mass would be a little bit like Archive 81. But it wasn't exactly like it. There was more like... I don't want to spoil it for everyone. It was good. It was okay. a good show. It was very interesting. Very it like kept you like intrigued. It's a little bit of a slow burn show. So if you're into like a slow burn, you'll like it. But um yeah, definitely spooky. Uh definitely like some um kind of subtle themes about like religious trauma and like talking about like, you know church and like how people act fake and like different belief systems like what happens mm-hmm. when you die and like forgiveness and like living in a small town all that stuff it's very it's a very very interesting show when I first got into it I was like okay I'm getting it I like this but then as I got into the show I was like this is not what I expected uh... but I'm here for it and by the end I was like oh yeah mm-hmm, yeah <laughs> this is a lot <laughs> It's a lot because it's created by the same guys who did Haunting of Hill House. So I was thinking, oh, it's more of like that vein with like mm-hmm. ghosts and stuff and like family drama. No, no, it's no. still spooky. But when you're watching it, it's like, okay, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. let's see where this goes. All let's right, see where this right. goes. So yeah, uh, Glenn, is there anything that you can't wait to watch this week? Um, so. It must have, I guess it got announced a little bit ago, but there still isn't a ton of details about it. Uh, it's this new movie coming out. I think it's in March. It's called Everything, Everywhere, All at Once. Oh, yeah. Um, and essentially what it's about, I guess <clears throat> the best way to describe it is like it's a science fiction story, but um, the main character uh, who is played by um, Michelle Young, uh, mm-hmm. she kind of gets split between parallel universes and she's mm-hmm. trying to live in multiple different universes at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, well, obviously since it's science fiction, it's very high action, very drama, very, some big bad is coming. But I, I just love like the diversity of the cast. Like we are getting major Asian representation from what I've mm-hmm. seen from the trailers. It's sticking very true to yeah. um, a lot of Asian Americans experience in America. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm always excited for that. I will always support a story like that. Yeah. I remember I remember seeing that trailer when I went to go see um, Far From Home, I believe it was. Yeah, mm-hmm. I went to go see it and I saw that trailer. It looks interesting, you know? It's giving us very much like... I like that we're like dipping into like the parallel universe kind of thing right now. Exactly, yeah. In like, I, yeah. It's like the new It Girl. It's here. Yes. It's what everyone's doing. 
it's a lot of fun. I like it. I like that, like, you know, the little time and space kind of thing. It does kind of tie into the show that we're going to talk about today, but I'm also excited to watch that movie. Yeah, that does look interesting. I gotta say, okay, cool. Great. I do also love Michelle Young. I think mm. that she's amazing, phenomenal actress, beautiful, just like 10 out of 10 great acting. And I like it when like actors that you know try different like shows, like try different movies, mm-hmm. like try different things. And it's like out, it's like outside of what you're used to seeing them in, but you still kind of like you welcome it. You know what I mean? Like it's something different, but like we like to switch it up a little bit. You know, the girls <laughs> like something new. They like to try, you know, a little something extra, you know. Like I used to not be into like horror shows at all, but now I'm kind of getting into it. You know, it's like it's something fun. You know what I mean? Just to try it out. I'm yeah. so glad that you've gotten over your, or at least partially gotten over your hatred of horror films, because I wasn't yeah. sure how long I could stand it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes, I'm, I'm giving it a try. I'm giving it a look and see what's up. Yeah. Um, I think the only thing that I'm excited to see that's coming out, um, I don't know if this is already out. I think that it might be. It came out, all oh, came out in Christmas. Uh, it's a movie called uh, The Tragedy of Macbeth. And like, oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I'm gonna be honest, I usually don't go for like films that are based off of things we already know. Like, ah, you know, like you're gonna do a retelling of something else, but in like, you know, it's, I looked at it and I saw like Denzel was in it and I love Much Ado About Nothing. I love that movie so mm. much. Like Denzel and all those actors that you love and you know, and they're so young and like the way they play, like the, oh my gosh, Much Ado About Nothing is one of my favorite favorite films about like a Shakespearean adaptation and it just stays true to the word Shakespeare and the acting is beautiful and everything about it is just gorgeous I love it I love much ado about nothing so Denzel being in another Shakespearean film I have to give it a try and also Frances McDormand is in it as well and I love her she's like one of my favorite women so I gotta I gotta give it a, I gotta you know I think it's in theaters right now I think that I saw it on Apple TV a yeah. friend of mine told me it was on there, but I think I might go see it in theaters because those kind of movies only show in like very select theaters where I live. And those are the kind of theaters that like only show like indie films. So I know if I go get a ticket and I go watch it, no one else is going to be there. I'm going to mm-hmm, be there by myself. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be chilling. I'm going to be having a good time. So yeah, I'm definitely going to go see it. And it's also directed by one of the Coen brothers. And he also did the screenplay for it which is very cool. So I can't wait to give that a look. Yes. Nice, nice. Yes. Is there anything else that you're excited to see, uh, Glenn? I don't think so. Nothing that's like caught my eye recently. Okay, okie dokie. Well, we can just get into talking about Archive 81. For those of you who do not know, Archive 81 is a pretty new show on Netflix. It is based off of a podcast of the same name. I believe the people who like created the podcast are like producers or like, you know, creative directors on the show. And the show follows a pretty different story from the podcast itself. Excuse me. Um, Do you want to just like do like a brief overview kind of rather than going from episode to episode? Because I just wrote down brief overview in my notes. 
Yeah, let's. Uh, I do feel we you would be better. Plus, that way we won't spoil it because it's still like I think it's still like number three on Netflix right now. Mm-hmm. So like clearly yeah. like it's, it's still really popular. People, not everyone's watched it yet. Yeah, I feel like when I've looked at when I looked up Archivating One, I was doing like my research. Um, most of the articles that I looked up said it was one of the most watched shows of this week, mm-hmm. but I haven't seen a lot of people talking about it. I don't know, maybe it's because like. There's also Peacemaker and Euphoria. So, like, those are obviously, like, heavy hitters. Oh, so there's also like- um, the most important movie. Uh, shoot, let me see if I can remember the title. Um, the Woman Across the Street no, from the Girl no, in the No, 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 no. <laughs> Wait, is that the name I'm of like, it? Did I butcher it? Was that the name? Wait. Who cares about the name? I'm actually going to no. talk about that at the end. So don't bring that up. <laughs> Don't bring that up. I'm saving that. I'm oh, sorry. The, the woman box. in the house across Stop. the street Please. from the girl in the window. I'm saving that for the end of the podcast. Okay. So okay. don't freak out. <laughs> okay. But Archive 81, it is a uh, basically camera-based horror show. It's getting very much Blair Witch Project, you mm. know. It's um, the show follows Melody Pendrus. She is going to visit her apartment in 1994 to go find her mother who abandoned her when she was young. And when she goes to the visit her apartment, she finds a little more than she was looking for. And we also switch back from Melody to Dan, who is an archivist at the Museum of Moving Image. And he gets approached by Mr. Davenport, who runs Wellspring, which is a DNA processing factory. And Davenport offers him the job of restoring old tapes from the visitor apartments. He says that you can go live in this remote house. There's no internet, there's no cell service. You'll have complete privacy. And Dan is a recluse. He doesn't like to have people knowing stuff about him. So he decides to take on this job. Also, he's getting paid like $100,000. So like, you know, if all he has to do is restore a few tapes and just not talk to anybody, mm-hmm. he's gonna do it. And as we go through the show, we realize that something was fishy at the Visser apartment. And as we're watching the show, um, it's not just that the Visser apartments burned down in a fire, it's that there was a cult at the Visser apartments mm. led by a Samuel, who is the brother of Mr. Davenport. And he was leading a cult to raise a demon called Calego to come back and you know receive riches money power success blah 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 and melody had stumbled upon that cult she was going there pretending that she was doing a project for her for school taking videos on her old camera when she was really trying to find her mother and she stumbled upon this cult and she's trying to figure out maybe her mom is involved in it what's going on and we soon learned that melody is has direct bloodline to the baldong coven which was a coven of witches that worked very hard to trap Kalego in a statue so that Kalego would not come back and destroy the world. We also find out that there's a woman named Iris from 1924 who tried to raise Kalego as well and she would take spirit photographs to capture the image of Kalego. And they realized that pictures, videos, and all kinds of things can capture things that are not seen in the human eye. So let me get this right. Samuel recorded the ritual to bring back Kalego and the tapes have been like circling around you mm-hmm. know at first there was a man I forget his name but he made a show based off of what Iris did in 1924 called The Circle and that show was canceled and then shelved and then Dan found those old tapes and then that's what introduced that's what intrigued Davenport to bring him to the cabin in the woods 
And also there was a young girl, Evie West, who was the daughter of the man who made the show, who met the people at the Visser in 1994. Mm. She met the lady Cassandra. She's a redhead, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah, that's it. Yeah. So all of it is just um everybody trying to <laughs> everybody trying to like I listen, I very much like I do i'm like religious like i'm christian i believe in demons and stuff and me watching this show i'm thinking like dan why would you agree to go live in a house with no internet no cell service you're by yourself why would you say yes to that because mind you first episode this guy davenport he's like oh your family died in that fire right and dan's like how the fuck do you know that he's talking to his friend matt his, his friend says matt right is mark Mark, okay, mm-hmm. I called him Matt because the actually is Matt McGorry, mm-hmm. you know, Woke Bay, we love him. <laughs> but he's talking to his friend Mark and he's like, how did he know that? Nobody knows that. There's no information about that anywhere. And then Mark's like, are you sure you want to do this? And he's like, I mean, yeah, but like that should have been, that was red flag number one. Okay, okay. So was it red flag number one? Yes, absolutely, <laughs> 100%. But let's also be realistic here. Dan is not exactly what we'd like to call well off. No. It was a project that he is an expert in doing that was going to pay $100,000, which realistically is probably more than he makes in at least two years. Yeah. Um, That would take him, what, like a week to accomplish, maybe Mm -hmm. a little bit longer. And also, like, realistically, let's not pretend that if, I don't know, um, Elon Musk, wanted to he couldn't find out every single thing that's ever happened in my life whether there's right. news stories about it or not like right. we need to stop pretending like we're shocked when rich and powerful people have access to information that we do not that's just how right. the world works you can be mad that's happening but you can't act surprised that's happening mm, right, right right yeah and dan goes off to the cabin He starts to remove the black mold from the tapes. He starts cleaning them, restoring them, re-listening to the tapes, watching Melody's tapes, and forming a kind of bond with her and basically following her um, story, following her documenting her life at the Visser, taking recordings of what's going on. And as Dan is watching Melody, we are taking the time to get to know Melody, to follow her through her life at, at the Visser and see what's going on with her. And I, okay, if I was, if I was looking for my mother who had abandoned me, the thing I would not be doing is going up to every single person that lives in an apartment building who doesn't know who I am and being like, hi, have you seen my mother? Have you seen my mother? Have you met my mother? Girl, okay, the camera down and talk to people. The thing that I would be not doing mm-hmm. if I was looking for my mother is why on uh I wouldn't be moving into the apartment that right. she last saw. I could visit the apartment. Yeah. I'm not going to like buy, like not buy, rent a room there. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I, might, no. I might go to the town. I might ask yeah. a few questions. I'm not moving in. How you got rent money? You're a grad student. What job do you Dude, have? How do you have money? End of sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who do you do? It's probably Annabelle. I like that James Wan is the executive direct producer on the show. And there was a character named Annabelle as a little like nod to like his previous work. That was mm-hmm. cute. I also found it interesting, like when I was doing research for the show, 
um the podcast melody is a lesbian and annabelle is like her girlfriend mm-hmm. when i was watching the show i first started watching it i was like oh they're dating like in that first scene when they're like together in the mirror i'm like oh that's them but then i kept watching it and i was like wait they're not they why not but why why not netflix like it just seemed like like oh annabelle's her roommate you know in the 90s mm-hmm. like that's her roommate you know i was like mm. but so here's know, the thing say. netflix you could have had it both ways here you could you have been have... you could have been like oh she's my roommate and have them say that whenever mm-hmm. anyone asks and also have the real situation go down because that's more likely what would have happened in the 90s if they were questioned about it yeah. So you can have the pretending they're not, and at the same time, actually have them be what they are, especially since the original characters were written to be that way. Yeah. You're not changing a character to make them part of the community, which like some people can get a little bit iffy about. You took a character that was part of the community and removed it. Yeah. Not that's something that. I'm not okay with. Not only that, Melody is kind of stupid. Like, when, <laughs> when you're watching Melody, listen, girl, I understand that if you move into a new apartment and you hear like humming and chanting, that's going to put you off a little bit. So you may ask a few, few people, mm-hmm. not every person you meet that lives there, also, not every person. Maybe like you, like you got a pretty clear image of the, yeah. um, of like who was chanting, of who was there, of who was in the community room. Maybe, just maybe, don't ask the people who were chanting. Mm-hmm. Maybe you should ask some other people, some people who mm-hmm. are clearly not there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Just because it makes you look a little bit less suspicious. Because if it, yeah. what? Because if the p- person wasn't there, there's probably a good reason why they weren't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, don't do that. It's just, it's not cute. It's not a good look. And also, like, if you clearly see it, also another thing. Uh, when I was doing research about the podcast, it was clear that Samuel was like the bad guy in the podcast, but then to have Med- Melody kiss Samuel in the show, I was like, oh, we're doing the hetero thing. <laughs> we're, we're going very hetero right now. It's just, it's not, I don't like it. I don't like when that happens when like in the show, the protagonist starts to like somebody and they turn out to be a bad guy. And it's like, mm-hmm. I mean, I kiss you. It was like, girl, mm, why do we write this in? That's like, it's gross. It's kind of gross to me. In it's- fact, see, here, here's the thing. Okay, because I was thinking, because I was thinking about this as I was watching it, because like it was pretty obvious that Samuel was the bad guy, mm-hmm. um, and like at least some way or another. But do you know what mm-hmm. would have been an amazing emotional diversion from the fact that he was clearly the bad guy? If Melody and um, is Annabelle the the roommate's name? Yeah, yeah. If Melody and Annabelle were actually dating, even if it was kind of like hidden a little bit, mm-hmm. if they were actually dating and Samuel continued to make moves on Melody regardless. And then Melody mm-hmm. had to like continually like come up with excuses or push yeah. him off. That yeah. way the audience is thinking, oh, he's a bad guy because he's trying yeah. to like get with this girl that clearly doesn't want him. And mm-hmm. we're not thinking, oh, this is a bad guy because he's writing a cult. Yeah. It's a little bit of a divi- diversion. It makes the characters a little bit more nuanced. It makes the story a little bit more complicated. I yeah. think it would have worked really well. You could have still had all those scenes with them being lovey-dovey, just make her a little bit less into it and make the, her character an actual lesbian that will have hit so much harder and been a so much better story. Yeah, and Samuel gives off like superhero villain vibe, vibes. Like he, mm-hmm. his like his, his voice is too smooth. His beard is too neat. His eyes are like wide-eyed and kind. It's like, sir, 
I don't trust you. I don't like you at all. Like, mm-mm. just like that nice guy that comes around the corner and just like has a solution for everything. It's like, mm, this yeah. is not nice. This is not good. And the show. Also, oh yeah, go ahead. Another thing I have to say about like shows like this is that like when you deal in like the supernatural, they always have to like bring in mental illness to it, which I think is like kind of tricky sometimes because it's very real that like people who are young and like think that they see things at night really just could be like something of untreated bipolar disorder or schizophrenia. So it's something that can't really be like, you know, joked around with. And like the little girl Ness, my heart goes out to her. She was, that actress, such a good actress. And Mm -hmm. I feel so bad for her with what Father Russo was doing to her and not getting her the proper help that she needed. And I feel for Melody because she also needed psychiatric help. And so she was seeing someone to talk about like why, like as a young child, she would like draw these pictures and there'd be a face in the pictures and like what's going on with her, like what's happening. Mm -hmm. When really she was just drawing pictures of the mold and like drawing pictures of like Caligo's face in like the scribbling. And she didn't know because she was a young kid and no one was gonna explain to her that she was a witch. You know, mm-hmm. no one's gonna tell her that. And the young girl, Jess, I felt bad for her. Like, yay for, uh, I guess Samuel did one good thing and got Father Russo out of there, but it ultimately okay. ended badly because then, because I was about to say, he, her- he, he got her out of there, not yeah. because he cares about her in any way, right. shape, or form. It's because he needed to kill her. That we, yeah. We're not gonna thank him for that. We're not mm. going to thank him for that. Yeah. Like Cassandra was drinking her, giving her tea that was full of the mold to prepare her body to hold a deep, like, huh? Mm-hmm. It's a child. She has, she's, she just started puberty. And now y'all try to have her house a whole no, new world in her body. Like, it's so sad. It's so, oh my gosh, it was so sad. I and do, like, well, I do want to talk about the, the mental illness part for a second. Mm-hmm. Why do people have to be going crazy to see these things? Like, in order to like, so like so often in like shows like this and movies like this, whenever someone sees, like they try mm-hmm. to be like mega and like realistic, like, oh, we live in the real world. This isn't like a TV show. This isn't like a movie. Yeah. Um, but then when someone starts seeing like ghosts or whatever, or like whatever the, the element is in this particular show, everyone around them thinks that they're crazy. Yeah. No, 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 no. In this year of our Lord, 2022, if somebody told me that they were seeing spirits, I'd be like, show me. What we we have come as a society, we've just accepted ghosts as such a normal part of like pop media. That I don't think anyone would react like that. Like if someone was frantic and like saying that like, oh, they're seeing ghosts or like they're getting messages, I don't think anyone would call them crazy. I think people would be like, well, like show me a video, like show me what you have. No one's going to throw them in a psych ward for that anymore. Maybe like 60 years ago, not today. Yeah, I think that with shows like this any show that deals with like visions or like ghosts Mm -hmm. they always have to bring in mental illness and it's a slippery slope because there are people that are schizophrenic and they believe that they see things that are not there and they do need medical attention and help but then there are the people in the show that are seeing things that are not there that we as the audience know is there but the viewer the character in the show doesn't so it's I think it has to like, mm-hmm. they have to make a very, a, a clearer line with it. Cause I know Melody was seeking psychiatric help cause she believed something was wrong with her but she just didn't understand that she had the bloodline of witches and that it was natural for her to see it but her mom wasn't around to tell her no one knew, mm-hmm. you know, it was a secret. 
And with Jess, she was ingesting black mold in an apartment and the black mold had hallucinogenics in it. And that happens in apartments that are not well taken care of, which happens mm-hmm. a lot in urban neighborhoods where mm-hmm. the apartments have mold or other things in the environmental area where people can be sick and develop, you know, mental problems due to the, due to like things not being taken care of, the upkeep and things of that nature. So I know like these shows, like, man, I hate seeing somebody get like taken away by like, like a cop or like someone getting dragged out of a building screaming mm-hmm. and crying because like, it, ugh, it feels bad it's like uh but it's like you're watching the show and you're like come on like no there's a ghost there's a ghost like she needs to stop <laughs> it like the demon but then in real life it's like oh they really need help you know it's just uh i i just like i don't know how to be more careful or how to draw like a clearer line but um i don't know maybe people just need better access to mental health facilities to oh yes hundred percent rather than just being written off as crazy die. yeah like, don't write people off as crazy just because, like, they see something. Like, talk to them. I don't know. If the lights are flickering, maybe there's something to their, maybe there's something to it. Or have them write a journal, you know? Like, there should be better better mental health facilities that don't lock people in their room and, like, chain mm-hmm. them to a bed, you know? Like, something that, like, truly helps somebody work through what they're going yeah, through. Yeah, that's you know not to help mean? someone get better. That's just going to make them worse. Yeah, and... I do, like, for Dan, I feel for him because he went through something very traumatic as a young child, Mm -hmm. you know, to, like, watch your family's house burn down. And to take on a project that also deals with the fire and people dying has to be very taxing. And it's very clear that Dan is someone who, this guy has, like, one friend. Like, I get it, because, like, maybe I have, like, I have, like, two friends, so I get it. But, like, this guy (laughs) really, like... He finds comfort. He befriended a rat. Like this dude. Like Cinderella. He really pulled that out. Mm. When I saw him talking to the rat, I was like, oh no. It's just this kind of it's gonna be this kind of shit. When I saw him talking to the rat, I was like, this is not the first rat he's made friends with. No. This is not his first rodeo. This tells me the exact type of person that he is. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it sucks because like he should talk to somebody about his problems and why he's so sad and like I guess Dan is one of those guys who's like oh I don't know what's the point in talking about it it happened and I'm still here and I'm over it so we could just move on when there is something in talking about it because when you talk to other people about your problems what you're going through you can find clarity through someone else's point of view or you can gain understanding and you could come to find closure through what happened to you also realistically like emotions are complicated and being forced to actually verbalize them to Mm -hmm. someone who doesn't innately know everything about you yeah like just being able to verbalize something that can help tremendously that's why therapy is you know usually pretty effective because you're forced Mm -hmm. to actually put your abstract emotions into concrete solid words yeah and mark is his friend he cares about him he's worried about him and dan doesn't open up to his friend you know he's very much someone who's stoic and quiet so as he continues to live in the house where no internet no cell service Mm -hmm. in the woods by himself very little contact with other people i am trying to like see it through mark's perspective where like your friend has to run through the woods to get a signal to call you and he starts telling you that like there's a lady that lives in the walls. There's a lady who burned down the visitor. I'm talking to her. I'm seeing her. And for us as the audience, we know that Dan is 
kind of seeing her because mm -hmm. the black mold is kind of like a byproduct of Kalego's power. So when you ingest it or you breathe it in, Dan, when he dreams, he can kind of shift through the walls of reality and see Melody and talk to her. And he talks to her as she talks to him and she dreams about him as he dreams about her. So the hallucinogens are hallucinogens, but it's also like dreaming and like time traveling in mm -hmm. a way. And it's like really hard to like put one word to it. But Mark being somebody who's just back at home working on his podcast, has his friend telling about a woman who died in a fire and how he's talking to her and talking about he can save her it's like oh he's going through a psychotic break and then we get revelation that dan has been through this before mm -hmm. and it doesn't help that davenport is starting to do the gaslighting thing where he's like dan do you need medical attention which like from an outside perspective if you don't believe in demons yes you would think that but from us as an audience it's like no he's solving a mystery also i'm very that's something that I'm still a little bit confused on about the mm -hmm. series. Why did Davenport want these tapes? Yeah. What was up with Patricia and her little um, soap opera tapes, by the way? Yeah. What happened to the other guy? The other guy, I'm pretty sure, died. I'm pretty sure he ended up killing himself. Oh, no. He died in a car accident because he wouldn't let it go. And then he died in a single car accident. Oh, that's right. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So, As like, if we're, yeah. But like not suspicious i'm confused mm -hmm. just about davenport everything that he wants yeah. what does he want out of these tapes i think that davenport was really working for uh melody's mother who was bobby who was the groundskeeper because remember when like dan went to the lower level and he found the exact replica of the plays mm -hmm. i was in my head i was like oh davenport's one of them but then he didn't believe samuel about his cult so i was thinking that maybe somehow I think Bobby got some secret money, right? And mm -hmm. she tried to like talk Davenport and to figure out what happened at the Visser. And Davenport has incentive to do that because his brother died there. So maybe he kind of wants to figure out what's going on. So Bobby also said that Davenport is a means to an end. So I really do think that she was kind of using him in a way. Like she promised him something, you know, like he didn't really believe her, but maybe she, she like pulled like a one trick pony or something like mm -hmm. that. I don't know. It just, so I know that the more I try to pick at this knot, the yeah. more confused and like messy the story is going to be. So yeah. for a for, so I might want to leave it alone, but I do want to at least say this. Mm -hmm. If Davenport really wants to investigate what happened, then he obviously easily could. These tapes, the only people who knew anything about these tapes would have been the people who died in the fire. Mm -hmm. There was no way for Bobby or Davenport to know that these tapes even exist. Like, how would they know that if everyone who was being recorded on her documentary died in the uh, fire, except for, um, what, Angela? Yeah. And Angela I, doesn't even necessarily know that like the tapes were being saved. Like she was an integral part of the process. She was just like there for like two days. And then she got- Annabelle. Oh yeah, Annabelle, Annabelle, yeah. She was only there for like two days and she got swept up in the cult. So she was paying no attention to the tapes whatsoever. I How did they know about the tapes? How did they know that there was something important on the tapes? I think that like Davenport, he like pulled, you know, he did like his rich white guy thing and did an investigation trying to figure out like what was going on. Why was Melody there? Because Melody said she went to the apartments for a school project. So he could have very easily checked in with her school and try to be like, okay, she was recording it on a camera and try to track down the tapes because he did try to track down the tapes 
that and Steve had his had some Melody's tapes, Steven being Dan's father, mm-hmm. who was also Melody's psychiatrist. But his house got burned down mm-hmm. because the Bulldog Coven doesn't want Calego or any kind of picture, any resolution, anything that holds his image to be out there in the world because mm-hmm. they're trying to keep him locked away. So they burned down his tapes and then surprise surprise dan the son of steven becomes an archivist who can restore tapes mm-hmm. so it just kind of like it's that kind of I like feel, mm. yeah i feel like i can i can accept it to enjoy mm-hmm. the show but it's definitely something that i wish was explained at least a little bit at least a little bit better because like we can like come up with these ideas which we're doing and like we can make yeah. it make sense but the fact that the show doesn't offer us really like anything Mm-hmm. Like we're still a little yeah. bit confused as to why Davenport is even interested in this and getting. Yeah, like, but there's a couple yeah. ideas, but like we should probably definitively know why the person who starts all of this is at least even interested in all of this. That seems like a pretty basic question to mm-hmm. answer throughout the series. I think that um, even I think Davenport was also trying to figure out what was going on with the Visser because remember Davenport was there when that guy got thrown off the uh, balcony mm-hmm. and he was talking to his brother, Samuel. And I, I, what I think is that Samuel probably told Davenport something, not exactly that he had a cult going on, but like something really sketchy. Cause Davenport also said that Samuel had visions of grandeur and he was mm-hmm. a delusional and like he had problems before. So it could be possible that he's just looking into his brother's death and then he's trying to figure out what was Samuel up to? What was Samuel doing? What is going on here? And like, why do weird things happen at this apartment complex? And he he obviously did a lot of digging because he found Patricia's old VCR tapes of her mm-hmm. soap operas and he hired someone else to look into that stuff. And it's so interesting, like Patricia was just like recording soap opera plot lines, you know? Yeah. And then like Dan found the guys the other guys notebooks but even though the soap operas have nothing to do with like the ritual or anything they still had the guy kind of become unhinged because of the black mold in them and it's mm-hmm. still i don't know maybe i don't know if the guy saw Kalego the same way dan did and i also want to say <laughs> if something calls out of my computer screen i'm leaving i god that also that also again with modern day being the way it is Mm -hmm. and i really i want because a lot of horror movies make like a little bit of like a joke about this but no babe i need a full horror movie or horror series that actually like takes how a real person in 2022 who has been shoved ghost stories down their throat their entire life would respond in such a scenario because a lot of times you'll see like jokes nowadays where they're in a horror movie whatever and they're like haven't you ever seen a horror movie? We can't split up. And that's like yeah. the end of the joke. No, 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 no. That is not how a normal person would react. A normal person would say that, yes. And then they would fight for their life to make sure everyone stays together. Realistically, a normal person, if they even have a hint of a ghost, like in their apartment, burn down the entire apartment, they're moving across the country, they're changing their day, they're, they're dying their hair in the bathroom, like, yep. they're pulling a god girl, have an entire new identity, move seven states down, Mm-hmm. never hear from them again at the first inkling the first time that my chairs start floating i'm across the country yeah like you will never see me in that state again yeah if well, the lights are flickering if i go into a new house and the lights are flickering i'm like nope i'm nope. good i'm good thank you it was actually you wonderful have... to meet you but yeah. I'm, I'm gonna head out i'm all right yeah y'all gotta figure that out like what's going on here i don't know but like <laughs> bye
Yeah. Um, there was another thing I want to point out. I, everything with Jess was so horribly sad. I feel so bad for Jess yeah. throughout the entire time. Jess was just like a little girl and she just wanted to like go to school and live her life. And she was being waterboarded by her, by a priest mm-hmm. and like hanging out with adults that had no business hanging out with her. Like, I do feel bad for her. The person I don't feel bad for is Miss Pickney. Miss, I'm going to write an orchestra. I'm going to write an opera that chants to a demon. Miss, I make sculptures. Miss, I'm not like other girls. I'm going to sleep with a cult leader and let him slip my neck so he can raise a demon from hell. Speaking of, that, speaking of that, speaking of her, speaking of that queen, how come she gets to be a lesbian in the story? But the main characters can't be lesbians. She was a lesbian? Yeah, the, the sculptor, the person who was playing the mold in um, Justice T, that's who you're talking about, right? Oh, Cassandra. No, I was talking about the girl that was sleeping with Samuel. Oh, you're talking about the... Oh, okay, okay. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. The, no, Cassandra, yeah. 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 Okay, but yeah. How come Cassandra gets to be a lesbian? Because, like, Melody doesn't pick up on it right away, which, like, already lies. Um, and then, like, uh, Annabelle points out, like, no, they just said that they were sisters. Like, they're actually yeah. lesbians. And, you know, it was pretty obvious. Yeah. Uh, just with how Cassandra was talking about. Cassandra has paintings of naked women in mm-hmm. her room, in her house. Like the green Everywhere. flags, were, the rainbow flags were popping. How come she gets to be a lesbian? On the walls. How, Girl, come, come on. how come Netflix is brave enough to have one of the side characters be a lesbian? Uh, not but side we can't have the main characters. Villain. True. Villain. True. Villain. Villain side character. Yeah. Not even the main villain. Mm-hmm. Not even the main villain. Not even the main villain. She this just is, got a there. <laughs> She's just a little bit creepy. She like obviously yeah. she's part of the cult, but like she doesn't really do much. She gives someone a, a jar of paint. That's about mm-hmm. the most evil thing that she does. I guess she's a little bit pushy at the seance. That's What's it. What's with the paint though? What's with the paint? The, um, I'm pretty sure the paint is the mold. It's just like a oh. like liquid version, or like they use the mold to make the paint. So like obviously like oh, like sa- the right. same way that like we used to use like lead paint like the same like fumes hallucinogens um mm-hmm. the same thing with like this mold thing oh right because the mold lets you if you breathe it in you can like go between worlds wherever Kalego is mm-hmm. so when Annabelle was painting Iris she was like I think she was kind of I don't know if she said she was talking to Iris. But I think she just saw her. She says, I think she was like communicating. Like there was like an emotional mm. connection, something like that. Okay. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I feel bad for Annabelle. I'm not going to lie. But like, okay, Annabelle, girl, first of all, your friend like went to go to a project and you just pop up out of nowhere, inserting yourself into everything, inviting mm-hmm. yourself everywhere. And now next thing you know, you locked, you chained to a bed. Like, you could have just stayed your ass at home. Mm-hmm. You could have just stayed your ass at she home. She could have stayed home. Have she would have been fine. She could have not been nosy. She would have been fine. She, she so could have not used the paint. Yeah. Like, if someone gives me a gift, I'll be like, oh, yo, thank you so much. I'm not going to yeah. use it. That's going to be on, like, a shelf in my room for, like, two years until I dump it. I know that paint stinks. I know it's I know crusty. It's, I know it stinks. Mm. It's literally mold. mold. And how long Thanks. ago did Cassandra's sister die? And the Cassandra sister was the one that made it? That mold's been sitting there for years. Festering. Mm. Yeah. I also feel you bad for You open that Jess. jar, knocked unconscious. Poof. Yeah. I feel bad for Jess because she was down there in the basement scraping up the mold for them to use. 
Uh, the way that you could not get me to be scraping mold in the basement for less than $35 an hour. Like you better be paying me at least like good money mm -hmm. to be scraping mold in the basement. Yeah, it did take like, in terms of like story with the show, I think the show did a pretty good job on like keeping things moving and like trying to keep all the parts kind of together, mm -hmm. you know, because sometimes with like horror shows, they really try to like pull you in and then like give you filler. But this show did it. It wasn't too much filler going on. I don't think. I think they really were trying to like just keep it, push it along, keep it moving. Do you know what but... was filler? Every single scene with the rat. I'm sorry. I love the rat. That little guy, adorable, wonderful, but that was all filler. The rat was not important in any way other than to show that Dan was clearly a little bit mentally not okay. Yeah. Yeah. The rat kind of was like. Why was the rat it, always there? Him and his little rat. I him bet. Friends with the rat. I bet if you listen, if you went back and rewatched the series, there is more runtime of him talking to the rat than of uh. any other character in the entire series. I also, guarantee if you count the seconds, more yeah. time. Also, animals run away from danger. So, like, why was the rat there in the first place? That was a dumb rat. He was very much in danger. Everybody in the show is kind of dumb, not going to lie. Like, Dan, especially Melody, especially Melody. Why is she playing damsel in distress? Girl! Exactly. I, like, if you, listen. If I find out that there is a secret cult in the lower level of my building, the one thing I'm not going to do is go up to an old lady with red hair and be like, so tell me about the cult that you guys have. Like, mm -hmm. girl, shut up. Y'all live in the same building. The You're going to die. The first thing that I would do, I would go, I would get the police. I would drug, because white woman tears, bitch. Yes. I would, like, have the police come in as normal people. Like, th this is their day off. Not day off, but, like, you know, they're off the clock. They're just normal yeah. people coming to visit the apartment like anyone else. Mm -hmm. And we're going to do some snooping. We're going to do some Scooby-Doo shit with the police. Because if something happens, then like people who will be listened to have proof as well. That's what a normal person would do in this scenario. Yeah. Like you have a video of them chanting to a freaking statue. And you didn't think to show Send it? Send that away and leave. I don't care about your roommate. Leave her behind too. She's yeah. annoying. You can walk into the police station and be like, okay, so here are the tapes with suspicious stuff is happening. I'm actually scared for my life. You watch these, I'll wait here. When you say you're gonna go do something, give me like a 10 minute head start. I'm gonna catch a plane back to where I came from. Mm -hmm. Let I'm me know how it goes. This is my phone number, call me when it's over. Yeah, yeah. Like, the way I don't feel the need to be involved in this whatsoever. I will watch the news story when it breaks. Yep, absolutely. From the comfort of my Holiday Inn, I will be sitting in the lobby with my free complimentary breakfast. Yeah, I'll be eating pancakes. Yep. <laughs> I'll be drinking my orange juice, and I will yep. be living my best life far away from you. Yes, yes. You know, you go handle that. I'm going to... You, you know, do your job, I'll do mine. Yep. <laughs> Would really, like... Oh, gosh. You, like... Also, Dan. Like, Dan's, like, the quiet guy, the mm -hmm. hero, like... Mm -hmm. Dan, man, I, I can't. Also, wait, I, speaking, of, speaking of that, speaking of Dan, Dan was hired to restore the tapes, correct? Like, that yeah. Was like, yeah. Buddy, okay. And he was, he was only required to upload one of the tapes a day. Yeah. Okay. Do you know what I do when I finish, like, editing a video and then it's just rendering? 
What I don't do is sit there and watch it rendering. I'm doing something else. I'm going to the gym. I'm making lunch. I'm reading a book. I'm doing anything but watching it. Once you've established that you restored it correctly and the video is clear, yeah. you can let that play, render, upload, whatever you want to call it. You can be taking a walk. You could be watching a movie. You could be doing anything. Else. Why are you watching the tapes? Do you know how much time that wastes that you could be doing literally anything else for you to be sitting and watching the tapes? Mm-hmm. Go do something else. All these problems could be avoided if you were just doing something else instead of watching the tapes. I find, like, Dan, I do have to say, I do recall. If I am restoring a tape and then I see something crawl out the screen, I quit. I quit. True. Fact, you could quit too. You could quit too. I if quit. you quit, I would have accepted that. Yeah. It is interesting how, like, just playing the tapes somehow, like, brings Kalego into the compound, which is very mm-hmm. scary because you're in a place with, like, no cell service and no internet. Just some random lady in a red coat walking around, like, ma'am, you got a phone? You got a battery pack? You got a Wi-Fi mm-hmm. hotspot? Like, also, it is so funny to me how Dan was straight up trying to theorize who Davenport was. And he's like, maybe he makes board games. And then Davenport went to go see him. And he's like, you know, you and I, we like to solve puzzles and make board games. So, mm-hmm. you know, and I'm like, oh, he's dropping hints. Mm-hmm. Oh, he's letting you know. And then Dan, there's like a little thing where he finds out where the hotspots are and like where mm-hmm. the cameras are. Yeah. Me, if I was Davenport, I'm like, bitch, you found the first part. Bam, bitch, I got two. What's up? You found <laughs> yeah. the first one, I got a second one. What's up? Also, Dan for be popping up out of nowhere. When Dan found the little um cathedral, mm-hmm. Dan Port's just there. Dan yeah. Port's like, what's up? Can Sir, can you teleport? <laughs> How'd you get there? Like, how? How do you get there so fast? He was, right. was Dan? He was waiting. He was actually waiting there. He's been like, exactly. He's like, is he busting up my pantry? Let me get my keys. <laughs> Let me get my keys. He busted up all my stuff. Like also not to okay, there are no real limit to the amount of secluded houses that you could build in the middle of mm-hmm. nowhere that have no like Wi-Fi. Like I grew up in Minnesota. I could go an hour north and I won't have Wi-Fi. Okay. Mm-hmm. Like they're everywhere. Why would you have him? Like I'm or maybe it's just dumb in general. Why did you build the entire underneath? Mm-hmm. connect it to this He's, like you have this nice house blah blah, blah whatever secluded why is the entire like all the evidence to expose you and get you thrown in prison for the rest of your life why is it just underneath the house easily accessible to anyone i think it's for bobby because bobby was trying to open the portal my thing is if you knew yeah because like the tapes because he said that the tapes can't be moved but the tapes weren't there to begin with the tapes didn't materialize in this house uh-huh. They could have been moved somewhere else because you clearly knew that you weren't skilled enough to handle them. So you could have moved them to like a different location. So the person that you are leaving alone in this secluded place isn't three, there isn't like three centimeters of drywall between them and finding out that you are a mastermind criminal that should be locked away for the rest of their life. Like, let's have a little bit more foresight here. Maybe let's not put all the incriminating evidence in the same room that you're having a random person sleep in. I also think because Davenport is pretty rich, he could probably like make, if he were to get arrested, he could make it all go away. I suppose, but I feel like that's being risky without the need of being risky, you know? Like, I feel like he's smart enough to know that he has options to not do that. 
And Davenport going to visit Mark as well, trying to pull the whole, like, is Dan mentally well? Mark, why are you talking to the rich white man? Shut up. I mean, close your mouth. I mean, it does kind of make sense because Mark is also clearly at least a well-off white man. Like, he's Mm -hmm. making a living producing a podcast. Like, he's, it's one semi-affluent white man just talking mm-hmm. to a much more affluent white man and i do want to say like it is mark makes money off of a podcast about horror stories but he cannot open up his third eye to possibly imagine his friend is speaking like this really? is aaron makey would be crying himself hmm. i guarantee because like do you know who aaron makey is no. So Aaron Makey is an extremely popular podcaster. He created this industry, basically. It's called Grim and Mild. And he has a dozen different different podcasts now that he runs and like now that his team run. And they're all about different either horror stories, um, but they're all throughout history. So he has his main one, Lore, that is just like about any type oh, of like ghost yeah. or anything related in all of history. He has other ones that he runs like Cabinet of Curiosity, Unobscured noble blood he probably i think at this point he literally has 10 different podcasts that he's technically the ceo of the entire company okay and if you tell him a ghost story he'll be interested in it like he is someone who is quite literally a multi-millionaire off of podcasts that are exactly like archive 81 or very similar in style mm-hmm. he would be jumping on that ghost story he would be like you have a ghost story let my team get into research again you Give us the information you have. I'll have my team take it from here. We will get to the bottom of this in the next three days. Like the way that he would immediately be on top of that story. And yet this podcaster is like, I don't think it's real. Uh, no. It was so, I was a little bit worried that Mark was going to sell. Um, I was a little bit worried that Mark was going to it abandon wouldn't be a show friend. if they weren't going to like tease it. Like, whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Like, why can't I, people just be good friends? <clears throat> why can the thought just never cross his mind? Like, you could have just told this guy to, like, just fuck off. You could tell this guy to leave. Tell him to go away. Like, what is he doing here? You know what I mean? One thing I do want to say, this is a theory I have. I don't know if, like, other people will, like, believe. Or, like, I don't know if other people will, like, agree with this theory. But I do think somewhere in Davenport's mind, he did believe Samuel. Like, there is a little part of him that was, like, looking into, like, what Samuel was talking about, what Samuel believed all this stuff, he had to have had some kind of inkling that this was real or there was some kind of weight to this to allow Bobby to let like the basement be an exact replica of the what the Visser's like little, you know, summoning grounds was mm-hmm. and then have the statue there and allow Bobby to be walking around the grounds watching over Dan to make sure he was okay. He had to have like some kind of belief, something to think that like maybe, maybe Sam was still alive, maybe Sam was undead. Because like, if he's investigating it, if he's looking into it, if he's trying to figure out what's going on, there would be no body for Samuel or Melody in the fire. Mm-hmm. And also Jess, who thankfully became a nun and went to Haiti and was like alive, thank goodness for her, she had some of the tapes. So it was possible that someone else in the viscer survived or got out and also had tapes or also had some kind of ingling or idea because Annabelle's still drawing on the walls of Melody talking about how she communes with her in some kind of way. Mm-hmm. So I think in some way Davenport did plan on using Dan to either open up the portal, try to figure out what Samuel was doing, you know, bring him back. Because remember, like 
the way the place is set up, it had like the monitors here, but it had a TV right there in the corner. Mm -hmm. So from the point of view of his camera, he could see what Dan could see. And then when Dan was, he was trying to accuse Dan of like having a mental break and breaking all the monitors, he saw Kalego trying mm -hmm. to crawl up that monitor. So in some way or another, he knows, he knows. And I think that Samuel is also in 2021 in the show. Some people think that he's in 1924. I don't think that. I think that when um, Dan went to go pull Melody out of mm -hmm. the realm, whatever mm -hmm. it is, I don't remember the name. I think that Samuel left with her and maybe he's not there at the house. Maybe he's with Davenport in his office because Davenport was watching the tapes. So I think it's some kind of way or another. I don't know. This is a theory I, mean, I have. But, it's definitely know. possible. I don't, yeah. Like they left it very open-ended. And obviously they really want to make a season two, so. Yeah, I remember the direct, the showrunner, Rebecca, she wanted to have a season two. And I think season two would do a really good job of like, um, just explaining Bobby and Davenport's relationship and how mm -hmm. they came to be. And then also exploring like time travel, but it's not exactly like time travel. You know, it's not the same time travel you've seen like Doctor Who or Avengers mm -hmm. Endgame. It's very, um, it's more loose kind of in a way because like dan was talking to melody and melody clearly remembered what dan told her like dan was like it's not a feature it's a bug and she repeats that to annabelle and then annabelle's like what are you talking about and dan sees it so it was just like it's so crazy to watch dan watch melody but also we're watching them and be like oh this mm -hmm. is real this is happening mm -hmm. like he was in the bathroom just like checking the camera feed pretending to take a shower he turns his head he's in the community center i'm like how like it here? Do you fall asleep? He turns his head, he's out of there. I'm like, oh, like that's so interesting. You know what I mean? I love it. Also the fact that like <clears throat> neither of them think that they're dreaming or they don't have mm -hmm. the idea that they're dreaming. Mm -hmm. Cause like, even when he asked her later, like, where did we meet? Or like, when did we first meet? She was like, oh, well, we meant like the community room of the Vista, mm -hmm. duh. And I was like, I mean, yes, but also no. But also mm -hmm. we actually, we're never alive at the same time. Well, like yeah. we never like actually had a conversation with each other. Yeah, that is crazy. It's also interesting because like they have the little white specks to kind of like let people know or to let the audience like kind of pick up on the fact that like this is happening, like they see each other, but they're mm -hmm. not really where they are. Like when Dan sees Melody on the steps, you see all the white specks and the white dots around you. It's giving me like um, the upside down mm -hmm. Stranger Things. That's immediately what I thought of. Because I think some people thought that Dan was still in Kalego's little like um, realm when yeah. he wakes up in 1994. But I think it's very clear that he's in 1994 because when the camera zooms out, you can see the twin towers reflected in the window next to him. Mm -hmm. And so... I haven't seen any specks of dust. I think it's real. I think it's actually in yeah, the show. Yeah, the showrunner um, confirmed that he is in yeah. R 1994, the real 1994. Yeah. And I also think like it might be like a different like universe, you know? Like, I don't think Dan's going to try and stop 9 11. Maybe he can try, but like, I think like. <laughs> no, <there's... laughs> no. Okay, no, no. Let me make it very clear. As a slightly mentally unstable black man living in the 90s slash early thousands just get away from new york but do not try to do anything because you will be another casualty of that event yeah yeah absolutely he should take care of himself yes just make sure that you're alive uh-huh 
Oh, yeah. Make sure to stay alive. Yeah. Or try to figure out how to get back into 2021. You know what I mean? Or even just live your life until then. Like, you're only, like, what, in your 20s? Like, you'll be fine. No, I think you should try and open up. What? I think you should try to open up the door again. Like, buddy, come through, please. Thank you. Yes. Do you think that um, Mark will actually help him try to get back in, like, season two if it happens? I do. I think that Mark really came around at the end when we saw the last tape. Mm -hmm. He was left today. He was like, oh, this is real. Oh, this is real. Oh, okay. Like, he was very much like, yeah, he definitely will try to help it, help. And he's probably going to quit the podcast because it'll seem kind of stupid to tell horror stories when you've literally seen your friend travel dimensions. Like, yeah. I think, I mean, or even just continue the podcast. I think it'd be more better. You have a little, <laughs> a little bit more insight. You have a little oh, bit yeah. more perspective you now. Actually, like, you might tell better it, yeah. St- stories. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, of course. Increase that production value. Yes, we'd love to see it. Yeah. All in all, um, I like this show. I'm not going to lie. I like the show. I can mm-hmm. see why people who listened to the podcast didn't like it because um, the podcast was more based on like how people are like discriminated against by like race, sexuality, mm-hmm. and how they are um, hurt by the structures of capitalism in the world, in the building that they live in, where the building manifests like horror and like otherworldly terror. And like it's a cosmic fiction podcast. Mm-hmm. And instead, focusing on that the show focuses on like a generic cult horror with the background aesthetic of videotapes you know yeah. it's like we've seen it like we haven't seen it done this way mm-hmm. but we've seen this story done so many times before cults nothing new found footage nothing new yeah yeah found footage films are pretty aren't like you know rare they do happen a lot like Blair Witch Project and like mm-hmm. some other ones I guess on this scale it's mm-hmm. big, but like if you like watch like for example paranormal activities, because that's like obviously what like really kicked off the genre of mm-hmm. found footage films. If you like that, and then you start specifically looking for found footage films, it's such an oversaturated market. Like yeah. it's not mainstream as popular, but like because it's so e- easy to produce found footage stories, like they're everywhere like it's very a very like oversaturated genre just in its own niche i guess yeah and it does suck that like the main character was gay in the beginning and they just made her straight like for what yeah what what made your story better it doesn't like it's not it's not good you know because like it's good to have people especially like 1994 when that isn't um accepted mm-hmm. it's still not really accepted to today i.e look at florida mm-hmm. but to have like i'm sure like the character melody experienced homophobia in the podcast but to like overcome it and to have to also deal with like the things going on in her building and the scary stuff going on but to still like be strong and relentless in that mm-hmm. it would have been great to see that in a netflix show it'd have been great to see that just in general and it sucks that they kind of like took that away, watered it down, and then made her into the damsel of distress where, like, the quiet, awkward, nerdy guy with, like, the supernatural uh, childhood trauma decides to save the day, you know? And I love um, Dan. Mm-hmm. Um, I love the actor who plays him. Like, he really is phenomenal. Yeah, Both actors are job. amazing. 
yeah the story is great I like the show a lot I like the writing I think I like the show a lot just because like I didn't listen to the podcast yeah so yeah I'm a little removed from yeah this is a nice a nice reminder to you guys if any of you ever want to enjoy any movie or tv show ever never Mm. look at the source material (laughs) you can look at the source material after you've watched the movie or whatever but like don't ruin it for yourself because there's you are going to be hard pressed to find a good book to film or podcast to film adaptation. Yes. And I think that a lot of other fictional podcasts that like, like I think one that people are talking about a lot on Tumblr is the Magnus archives. I think like they're very much like, Nope, don't do it. It's like that meme, you know, that meme of that grown woman carrying Kevin Hart on her back. And there's like another mm-hmm. woman and she's pointing to him, the woman mm-hmm, she's carrying mm-hmm. Kevin Hart and walking out. Yeah. Like, the woman is Tumblr watchers. The person is Netflix, and then Kevin Hart is the Magnus Archives. Like, no, not this one either. And see, I tell what you do with Archive Eighty One. No. As much as I love stuff like that, and I love like the memes, I love the ideology. Let's mm. be realistic. Are we really like? Is Tumblr ready? I like how I say is Tumblr ready. Um, mm-hmm. is Tumblr ready to actually be able to stop it from happening if Netflix decide or a different company decide that they want to do that? Like, what's the yes. game plan? Because there's a few properties we need to protect. Yeah, I, oof. I think that like- Like everyone better be pulling out their Gmail accounts and writing strongly written, but respectfully yes. what is Netflix. Like every single day, they better, like Netflix's inbox better be flooded with tens of thousands of emails every single day saying, not this one, hun. Not this one, babe. Yeah, I think that like, we should bully Netflix. We, I mean, not. we bullied, um, what was the production company? I forget, into making Sonic actually look, you know, decent. And guess what? Mm-hmm. It worked. And that Sonic worked. was a smash success. And the sequel is coming out now. And do you know who that's thanked to? Us, the viewers, the fans. I guarantee you if Sonic had come out the original way that they had animated it, it would not be getting a sequel. Mm-hmm. We saved the company. We sa- And we are literally making them arguably tens to hundreds of millions of dollars just because they listen to us sometimes bullying works yeah sometimes you know? bullying is necessary i yeah. do believe in constructive bullying every once in a while and netflix deserves to get a nuggie every once in a while yeah we would just talk about netflix really got a little bit big for its riches we just yep. talked last week about canceling stuff um yeah. so it really could use some constructive bullying i do hope that like season two is I just like I think for Archive Eighty One, I'm just gonna look at the show as mm-hmm. the show, mm-hmm. and I don't want to like really like, ignore the podcast, but like I understand that from the source material, it basically did not adhere to what the original story was mm-hmm. and how it first came to be. And I think that like for season two, I'm just gonna let the story that you've made with the show continue on. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like we're just gonna have to accept that like they didn't, you know they didn't give the roses that the original source material deserved they did not keep to the plot they did not keep Mm -hmm. in the things that were like good and essential and like really made the podcast so popular and so beloved and so well liked and instead they brought in something different Mm -hmm. and i think i'm just gonna carry on with what they already established and see where we go from here you know Mm -hmm, i am mm -hmm. interested in like trying to like get into podcasts like fiction podcasts i usually stick to like um news podcast to be honest or like you know the read 
and this is a podcast that I listen to like Positive America the read obviously but mm-hmm. uh, maybe I'll give it a try because I used to be really into Welcome to Night Vale okay and it would be cool if Welcome to Night Vale had its own tv show but that would be kind of cool I miss that show I used to listen I, to it all the time in high school I will say I if I was going to recommend any podcast that's like in that genre to someone right away I know it's not the most popular one but I feel like it's overall ends up being one of the most interesting um especially if you like history or if you're in any way interested in history noble blood each podcast is about 25 to 30 minutes and each podcast just takes a different look at like a noble a lot of them are from like europe obviously because they have a longer lineage but there's ones from south africa there's ones i'm not um there's ones from southern africa there's ones from different like islands there's ones from all over the place I mean, each episode is just digging into that specific noble's entire life, the terrible things they did, the good things they did, the way that they were misrepresented, um, the way that history has changed their story to fit a bigger narrative. Um, and yeah, each up like they're really easy. They're told in a very story-like um, form. Um, and yeah, they're just nice, very easy listening to stories. Oh, and um, the the narrator dana schwartz i love her voice i think she has like an absolute perfect podcasting voice and temperament and it's just so relaxing cool i'm definitely gonna give it a try i have always been looking for new things to listen to and you know it'll be something cool to like put in the background while i'm like doing laundry and stuff Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yes um but i also loved archive 81 and this has inspired me to keep watching scary stuff and get into like scarier things like i finally finished midnight mass uh i'm watching this show on netflix also called sweet home it is i believe it is a korean drama and there's also another show i want to start watching all of us are dead it just came out out. (laughs) my roommate hasn't had time because we watch all of our k dramas or whatever with each other and she hasn't had time yet but as soon as she's like um has a little bit of free time we're cruising through it we are binging it there's only eight episodes Okay. The way I'm going to be done with it by the next time we speak. I am a little nervous to watch it because it is like zombies. But like, like, it also doesn't seem like it's taking itself too, too, too seriously. Okay, we like that. We like that. Yeah. 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 At least it's going to be gruesome. Mm -hmm. I don't think it'll be like deep set scariness. I think it's going to be like cheap horror scariness. Okay. Like, I could do, like, a ready or not situation. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I could do that. Like, that's fine. Um, Sweet Home is a little bit like All of Us Are Dead, but it deals more in, like, a different kind of territory of monsters. Mm-hmm. But it's kind of similar to it in the vein of it. And there's another show I want to start watching called The Uncanny Encounter. Uh, I think that's more, like, supernatural, less than horror. Yeah. But I do want to try getting to that. I think that'll be interesting. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Yes. Okay, uh, do you have any last thoughts on Archive 81? Um, I definitely need to go and listen to the podcast now. I was, because I, I knew that I was going to watch this, I purposely didn't listen to anything about the podcast because I knew, surprise, surprise, I would end up disappointed. But now that I've watched the series, I feel like I might as well go and listen to the podcast, especially since they're two fairly different stories. I feel like I'll just be like enjoying a different story and I can enjoy them as like separate works. Okay, awesome. 
All right, great. If that's it, then we can go into uh, the last segment of our podcast, which is pass, which is where we're going to talk about the things that are coming out that we are going to pass on. And uh, I can go ahead and start mm-hmm. on mine because I have a rant, okay. a little bit of a rant. going to try not to be too long with this one. But uh, as Glenn mentioned early in the pod, there is a new show show movie i don't care that recently came out um starring uh kristen bell and it is called the woman in the house across the street from the girl in the window and it is a miniseries um is a dark comedy thriller starring kristen bell you may know her from the good place veronica mars so on and so forth Mm -hmm. and it's basically a show about a woman named anna who is unsure of whether or not she witnessed a murder you know the um promotional photo is kristen bell pressed about a press against a window pane with a full glass of wine staring at the window and i had looked at the trailer of the series and i think that basically the show is about a woman who drinks too much, takes pills. And I think she's just like someone who stalks and like watches her neighbors. So it's not really something that's meant to be taken seriously at all. Mm -hmm. But like, I kind of have a problem with the show because like basically this woman is just bored. And so she watches her neighbors and she wants to make up lies and she like peeps in on people and she's always in other people's business, like talking about them, but she never, like no one can ever be in her business. You know what I mean? And she's just nosy and she's like a lonely lady. She needs someone to talk to blah, blah, blah. But she's also rude, mean and vindictive, of course. Mm -hmm. And I'm not going to watch the show because like, I already know what it's about because it's just extra. I know the show is extra. I know it's unnecessary. And I know it also feeds into like the true crime trend where people really get into like, have really gone into like true crime, like um, stories and like YouTubers and like documentaries of the type. And it also um, kind of is a reflection on people who go on those true crime tours and visit like houses of murderers or go visit like places where like victims were like killed or like visit the grave sites of someone's bodies which is gross because you shouldn't be at that gravesite. and if there's someone living in that house you shouldn't be visiting someone's house where a murderer used to live because they don't live there anymore they're in jail and a family lives there so you need to go away and leave people alone and your obsession with like crime and death it's kind of like, I like true crime too, but there's a certain point that people take it where it's too far and they start making conspiracy theories and trying to get into other people's lives and just like, they kind of lose a sense, the line between like what's going on and what's going on in your head thins. Mm -hmm. Very clearly it's thinning, it's gone, it's non-existent and it's annoying. And the character in the show that Kristen Bell plays feeds into that, you know, so. I think the show is a little tone deaf in a way. And I think it's supposed to be something that's like supposed to make fun of like the modern suburban woman and like da da da, like pills and wines and like drinking. And I feel like that kind of stereotype is typical in like Mm -hmm. rich white people that they see that in. So they feel comfortable making up those jokes. And it's just annoying. It's bland. It's dumb. It's something I'll keep doing. You keep putting in these shows. And I need you to like try something new, try something different. Mm -hmm. And it's just, it's also irritating because Kristen Bell is such a good actress. And she's better than this. Like, she doesn't need to be in these shows. Why does she do this? Like, I need these people to stop taking roles that are not for you. Like, I know you want to do something different, something fun, something kooky and quirky. But please, my gosh, read your scripts. Read them once, read them twice, and have someone else read them too. Because this show 
it's an automatic pass for me. It is so lame. It's just going to be another thing on her IMDb that no one's going to care about or look at. Like, you just got done doing the, doing the good place. Mm-hmm. You're doing Veronica Mars, a reboot on Hulu. Mm-hmm. Can we do something else? Oh, also, so Gossip Girl. New. Let's not pretend that Gossip Girl isn't oh going on gosh. again. Like, backing her bag. You can do anything else, but you chose this. You can do anything else and you chose this. And it's so annoying. And this is also going to feed into a rant that I have. This might not be my business, but I just want to go off. Like some things do not serve you and you need to leave them alone. But I don't know why people do this. Like, I don't know why Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard are like, you know, because like, here's the thing. I know I'm a stranger. I am a nobody. I don't know these people. And maybe I shouldn't comment on people's relationships that I do not know. However, everything I've learned about Dax Shepard and Kristen Bell, I have learned against my will. So I'm going to commentate on, okay? Because Dax Shepard okay, is a off. very, he is an alt-centrist. He calls himself an alt. Shut the fuck up. No one cares. And Kristen Bell is very much a liberal woman. In the same way that Shailene Woodley is very liberal and Aaron Rodgers did not, does not believe that COVID-19 exists. Why do smart women date men who are idiots? Kristen Bell, Kristen Bell was depressed at the beginning of the pandemic. And then Dax Shepard went up to her and was like, oh, what are you doing? Who are you helping? Just crying in your bed, being sad all day. Where's your empathy? Where's your compassion? Oh, well, you don't have anything because you think that politics is a hobby. Politics is a game. It's just rich people doing and arguing back and forth when you don't realize that it affects real people in real life and you know this, but you personally don't do anything to help people who are disadvantaged and rely on their elected officials to help them in their lives. You did not do anything to help the grassroots people working on the ground try to help people in their communities. Your wife does, but you don't. You get on your stupid little podcast behind your mic and you talk to other rich white people and you complain and you whine and you did this, that, make your money and you don't provide anything else but carbon to the plants and you Aaron Rodgers I have no idea if you're good at your job and I don't even care you leave Shady Woodley alone please I find it so irritating when there are such talented people you take bad roles just for like oh my gosh and you are around these people that do not meet your same ideologies that do not believe the same things you believe but you date them you court with them you hang out with them you're married to them you have kids with them why because politics is a hobby to you this is just la 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 blase fair da 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 like it it's not even gonna affect you because you're not even worrying about it kristen bell already like was snubbed for an emmy so many times but she doesn't care she'll just play whatever role she wants to and not even caring like it's just another check it's just another bag and honestly it's sad it's sad and you could say i'm a hater you could say i'm upset and i know i sound like a hater but i don't care because you know what i would never do i would not stay with somebody who tried to downplay my depression absolutely not you got me fucked up i would not stay with somebody who doesn't want to get a vaccine so that they can go do their job all you gotta do is run up on that mound, swing that fucking bat, and then go home. And you can't get a shot? Is it really that hard? Are you five? Huh, please. Oh, there are some things we just disagree with. We just agree to disagree. We just agree to disagree. We just agree to disagree that there is a global pandemic going on and millions of people have died. We just agree to disagree. Girl, bye. Yes, that was my rants. I'm done. Oh. My head, I scream so loud, my head hurts. Hold on. Hold on. <laughs> <laughs> Gwen, is there anything you're going to pass on this week? Um, the only thing, I, I'm not sure if I'm going to pass on it officially, officially. I just think that's not going to be done very well. 
there's a new film coming out coming out called The Worst Person in the World. Mm -hmm. um, and it's supposed to be a dark romantic comedy um, about a girl who like falls in love with like this guy who's like, I think he's like 20, 25 years older than her. And then like, oh, love triangle because she meets this guy who's really attractive, who's like closer to her age and like, I don't know, drama ensues. Um, and I'm just a little bit, I am a little bit scared whenever mm -hmm. directors take on projects that are like this, that are so nuanced and complicated and that they arguably don't know very much of anything about um, because they think that's just going to be like an interesting story. Mm -hmm. Like women dating or like um, getting like caught up in romance with people, with like guys who are like 20, 25 years older than them um, is legal obviously i'm assuming that in this story it's also going to be legal because it says that she's like a grad student so i'm assuming she's not a um you know like an 18 year old grad student um but at the same time i'm not sure if you have the insight and the ability to be able to tell a story like this the way that's supposed to be told and the fact that you're calling it a dark comedy really makes me think that you're actually not going to tell the story at all how it should be told um <clears throat> i'm actually looking at it right now and uh it looks pretty i think it's okay i don't know maybe hmm. I, I do understand what you mean when you kind of like are hesitant to watch certain movies there are oftentimes where people will create films movies tv shows whatever and they know nothing about what they're talking about and they'll simply just like <clears throat> release it and you know they try to like do like the whole tiptoeing around it and being like oh well this so well, that like no it wasn't that good like mm -hmm. i totally get what you mean there have been countless times where like a director will write a movie and try to tell a story that is not their story but they'll tell it from their perspective which is not the correct oh, sorry, perspective and then you, are you trying to talk about um something very similar to malcolm and marie is that what you're is that what you're bringing up here when do remind me why would you remind me of that i'm not reminding you i'm reminding oh the gosh. audience we need to keep a running list of the movies and the shows that we don't support I... link to the google doc with all the movies and shows we don't support <laughs> that we will be updated on a weekly basis in the description malcolm and marie my gosh that movie that movie really came and went that movie really came and went i really thought people really thought that was going to be a zendaya's oscar moment i mm. also zendaya still looks like she's 16 years old what is she doing playing a grown woman with a man who looks like her, her mm -hmm. father yeah she like, can't she can't be playing because like so like realistically they were recording these like malcolm movie was being filmed roughly around the same time that euphoria season two was being filmed because like mm -hmm. one of the actors came out and said it takes about nine months to record to like film yeah. a season of euphoria so they're probably happening around the same time how was zendaya playing a 16 year old on thursday and playing a 45 year old on friday this also speaks to how hollywood refuses to cast actresses in like all and in the middle of all that she had to play like an 18 year old in spider-man no way home on wednesday like how old is zendaya Zendaya is 24. She's 25. Yeah, but like, no, no, my joke is how old is Zendaya that she's expected to be 16 on Monday, 
18 mm. on Tuesday, mm. back to 16 on Wednesday, 45 on Thursday, and then who knows what it, whatever else she appeared in recently. Um, on like Dune? Dune, and then like ageless on Friday. Like, I would get whiplash. Like, I understand, like, there has been the trend of having like 50 year old men being in movies and having their romantic counterpart be like 25, 26. Like, that's happened to Scarlett Johansson her whole career, you know? But at some point, y'all gotta understand that like, these grown men need to be casted with women that are their age. Their age. Y'all are telling me that Nicole Bahari was not free? <laughs> Y'all telling me that Nicole Bahari could have been called up? You told me that she movie? was booked and busy. She was so full. Her schedule was lined up packed that she couldn't have done it. We're not going to sit here and like, we didn't see that Black Mirror moment where she went off on Anthony Mackie and she was right to do so. Mm-hmm. She was right to do so. We're not going to sit here like Nicole could have done it better. We love you. I love you, Zendaya, but she's like too young. It's very clear that she is young. Let yeah. her be this young actress and like play these young roles now. And guess yeah. what? Zendaya is not, I mean, okay. I, I was about to say Zendaya is not going to die. I guess we don't for sure officially know, <laughs> but Zendaya is not going anywhere. Zendaya yeah. is not going anywhere. Right. She'll be fine in five years, 10 years. She can be playing those roles. I know you'll still want to make those movies because somehow you never get tired of making those movies. She will be there in 10 years. Yep. It's just, y'all can't, like, I, it's so, Sam Levison? Mm-mm. Wait, who directed Malcolm Marie? Um, shoot. I don't remember. I tried to block it off my memory. For some reason, in my mind, I thought it was the same guy that did Marriage Story. Um, Malcolm you remember Marie Marriage Story? Was, yeah, it was Sam Levinson. And yes, I do remember Marriage Story. That's another movie that just shouldn't have happened. Like, directors should not use films as journals. Writing a movie. Um, but Marriage Story was see. directed by Noah um, Bombach. That's Bombach. why. Yeah, yes, Noah him. Both of those white men. Mm-mm. No, no, no. Because he tried to play himself like Marriage Story. Remember Marriage Story when, like, um, Adam Driver. How is Adam Driver going to play Noah Bachman? Adam Driver is six foot five. You are five foot five. Five foot First one. First of all. On a good day. <laughs> First of all. Second of all. First of all, stop projecting what you wish your height was. Yes. Yes. You cannot, when a therapist says write out your feelings, they did not mean to write out a screenplay in a movie mm-hmm. where you're seen as a protagonist. It's a, they meant in genuine. the wrong. They meant genuine. They meant like take your notes to yourself. Mm-hmm. You know, we can look over your journal together on, you know, your next session and we can discuss some of your feelings. They yeah. didn't mean make it into a major motion picture and flick your emotional trauma onto your actresses and actors and then on everyone who watched the movie. Yes. And I'm so glad Malcolm and Marie did not enter into the awards discussion as much as people thought Silent. it would because it wasn't good. It wasn't like she really did try. She really did act her ass off, but she was the wrong person for the role. Mm-hmm. It also... If you're going to make a movie, please do not try to make a movie about Black love without it being Black. That wasn't a love story. Those people should have been divorced. Why are they talking? Anyways, like, now that I've gotten you fully derailed, we can go back to the original thing we were talking oh about. My God. <laughs> please stop witching that movie. Don't mention, oh, fuck. We're going to have to watch Euphoria. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. I forgot. No, I don't want to. I don't want to. Because I keep seeing people tweet about it, and I know Sam Levinson, man, 
I got oh, you better you. believe I do not open the Twitter app between uh, Sunday night and Tuesday morning. I got to let them air out all their grievances and then I'll reopen the app. Yeah, absolutely. Sam Levison, I got a word for you, okay? I got you. You're next. <laughs> yeah. But did, I'm sorry, Glenn. Were you done with your thought or like what you're going to pass on? Um, you- I'm pretty sure I was done with it. It's just I, basically all I was saying is I'm always very nervous when a director who appears to not have any experience telling the nuanced, complicated story, like they don't have any personal experience mm-hmm. telling that complicated story is trying to tell that complicated story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's also annoying when like directors try to make a film about like something that is happening outside of them so that they've never experienced so they just only see like, you know, and they're just trying to like, like a lot of those movies that were um, about like the pandemic mm-hmm. and then they were trying to be like, oh, how hard it's been for the You people don't work in nine to five. Y'all do not get up every day and have to wear a mask for 10 hours a day. You do not have like the mask lines behind your ears. Yeah, until so I see those band-aids behind your ears, yep. I don't want to hear another word out of you. Yep. I don't want Shut to hear up. a single word. Shut up. Shut up. Keep it, keep it right. Keep it tight. All right. I don't want to hear nothing. Okay. And I am like, I also want to mention this. I meant to mention this at the beginning of the pod, but I mm-hmm. forgot. I am very excited to watch Legend of the Vox Machina which is based off of a critical role campaign. And it's a Amazon Prime series that they're doing based off of the campaign. And it has the same people who did the campaign voicing the characters. I'm very excited for it because I've gotten really into D&D lately. And okay, okay. I haven't gotten into critical role mainly because like, it's too many white people. That's it, it's too many white people. <laughs> but D- D20, I'm down, I'm down for it. Roll 20, I'm down for it. You know, any other like, D series that people know live action play i'll try to get into it like adventure zone people have recommended that to me and i do want to try and see if i have time to like listen to it but you know abria iyengar um b dave walters i love y'all so much like <laughs> y'all y'all are my heart for real i love y'all so much so yeah i do want to try to get into the legend of the vox machina and maybe i'll try to give a critical role a try maybe i'll give them a chance but like that's four hours mm-hmm. of live action D&D play. And I really don't have four hours to spare. I don't need that. I'm I sorry. Don't. I don't have it. I'm sure like, it's great. I'm sure it's nice. I'm sure it's wonderful, it's but it's not me. Like Critical Role makes $9 million a year from Twitch. Like, Does that surprise you? I guess not since they have an Amazon Prime show now. But like, mm-hmm. <clears throat> I, I'm going to give, I'm going to stick to D20 for now. And then maybe I'll give Critical Role a chance every once mm-hmm. in a while. I keep saying I'm going to give Critical Role a chance, but in my heart of hearts, I know. Yeah, in your heart of hearts, she knows that she will never yeah, actually. Yeah. That is actually something that will never trans. Uh, that will yeah. never occur. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. It's good that um, you're honest with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know. Okay. Uh, do you have anything else you want to say, Glenn? I don't think so. Okay. Well, guys, thank you so much for listening to the episode of I've Been Meaning to Watch That. We really appreciate your listens. If you enjoyed the pod, feel free to share it. You know, uh, rate and review us on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. 
follow us on TikTok because that's where I'm posting clips of the pod. And if you heard to share with your friends, follow us on Instagram. And, you know, if you have any suggestions or tips or anything like that, feel free to message us on Instagram as well. Mm-hmm. And we will see you guys next week with another podcast. Right. Bye, guys. Bye.